Welcome to the Speaking From Our Hearts podcast. In this edition, we'll be talking about many aspects of life, particularly health, relationships and wealth-related topics, all from a heart-centred approach. Your host, Paul Lowe, has a long and successful history of helping others through his coaching and mentoring, as well as his many charitable initiatives. He's been responsible for positively impacting thousands of people's lives, particularly young people from challenging backgrounds. Paul is the author of the books Mastering the Game of Life from Pain to Purpose and Speaking from Our Hearts. Welcome listeners to the Speaking from Our Hearts podcast episode. Today I'm joined by a gentleman from United States of America by the name of Mr. Bruce Cryer. Bruce, a very, very warm welcome to you. Great to speak to you again, Paul. Looking forward to this. Yeah, and uh, we spoke a little bit off air, Bruce, didn't we, about, okay, so how do we set the, uh, you know, what's the umbrella, how do we set the focus for our listeners? And we decided on something that I think really reflects you very powerfully, but very diversely at the same time. And that's your focus around art and science and combining art and science for the betterment of humanity. Set us on this journey, Bruce, if you will. (laughs) Well, it's been a journey for sure. Um, where to begin? Uh, I, we have several hours, right? <laughs> well, we've got about 30 minutes. <laughs> 30 minutes. Yeah, that's close. That's close to several hours. Well, I, I've had a lifelong interest uh, largely by, by virtue of the family that I was raised in in the 50s and 60s here in the States of being very oriented to artistic pursuits. A mother who was an artist and excelled in multiple media of art and a father who was a wonderful singer and excelled also in gardening. <laughs> so there was a tremendous amount of art- artistry in the family, although neither of them was that their exclusive profession. My mother was primarily a school teacher and my father was primarily worked in a life insurance company. But um, the, the love and the appreciation of art and beauty was everywhere. And that extended to music and that became a, a, a focus of mine as a, as a boy and, and then into adulthood. and became a singer and discovered I could also dance and, and also act. And I ended up on Broadway as a fairly young man. And uh, so it, it was a very rich time in my life in the 70s when I was performing on one of the world's greatest stages, New York City, and doing what, my, what made my heart sing. And, but at the same time, uh, my family influence uh, carried in other directions because we were a very socially conscious family. And my parents were both pacifists during the Second World War, which was not popular, for sure. And so this sense of of humanity needing to take better care of itself and that all humans need me care, not just those who live in America or those who are downtrodden, but but everyone. And so I, I felt like I was a global citizen as a child, not just an American. And so that carried into into my life. And while I had a very successful career for about five years in New York City around the performing arts, um, I found finally that my interest in in the world was in, in developing myself personally and spiritually and learning more about health, et cetera, was a far bigger interest than just being on stage and, and learning to entertain people. And so I, I decided to make a huge jump. And not only did I end that career completely, but I left New York and moved to California with my girlfriend 
And that began a, a, a search to d un, explore different facets of myself, all in the name of how can I better serve humanity. And um, because I'd already had a strong interest in psychology and, and scientific explanations for mind-body medicine approaches and understanding human consciousness, I gravitated towards scientific types of enterprises. And so the first one was in about 1980, a company that uh, was developing a new strain of superfood. And uh, so, and it was a highly nutritious, tremendous source of protein and many, many vitamins. And I got involved with that. And it was a, had a wonderful scientific story of how this marvelous uh, food grown in lakes, a form of microalgae could solve hunger, world hunger. And that uh, lasted for a, a number of years. And then uh, I learned about uh, a new venture that was starting up uh, that would be called Heart Math, Heart M-A-T-H, heart math. And you, you saw when we met in, in France about a month ago, uh, Paul, you saw me do a, a talk around this idea of heart math. Yeah. And th this is where, the, in, especially this idea of sort of the blending of art and science and for the benefit of humanity uh, began to mature for me. And heart math was set up specifically to develop a set of tools based in mainstream science that could help every human being or those that wanted to, especially, uh, develop their heart intuition, what we would call their heart intelligence, but basically learn to live more balanced, more effective, more fulfilled lives. And at the core of the heart math concept and the heart math um, implementation really was this client, uh, very robust clinical, scientific, and ultimately organizational research. So now, uh, nearly 30 years after heart math started, more than 300 peer reviewed studies peer-reviewed studies have emerged showing that the, the techniques that we were building in the early 90s, not only can, can they reduce stress, but they can have a positive impact on chronic disease and on um, symptoms of modern day civilization like sleeplessness and sense of overwhelm, et cetera. So um, the, the kind of blending of these ideas merged for me during the 20 plus years that I spent uh, at the core of the of the HeartMath organization, and later as the CEO. So, uh, and then the the story continues. But why don't I? I'll, I'll pause there, and before I jump into the the most recent um, episode of, of of my journey. Yeah. Wow. What a strong foundation from which to uh, we could go. We could go all over the place uh, with <laughs> with that uh, very solid and diverse introduction, Bruce. So thank you for that. Um, focusing on the on the HeartMath. Um, particular part, Bruce. One of the things that's reached me because I've signed up for it because I absolutely love the science. I, I love anything that will contribute to the betterment of humanity. And I know that's kind of a very wide statement, um, a broad statement. But one of the things that I've received recently um, is the heart focused breathing technique. So mm. simplistic, Bruce, and yet so powerful, isn't it? Yes. Absolutely. Well, as we began to study what really uh, goes on in the heart when we are in different emotional states and how the heart in turn impacts brain function and how the brain in turn impacts heart function, part of what we uncovered with it is there's this very dynamic two-way communication between heart and brain. I think many people, especially in the West, have been led to believe through high school biology classes or wherever that the heart is, is primarily a pump 
and the brain is, is kind of everything. And it's the brain controlling every part of the body. Modern day science has realized that's, that's really not the case. The brain is an incredible supercomputer, but there are many computers in the body. <laughs> Skin uh, are, are processing information, let alone the heart, let alone the gut. So there's a, there's a constant back and forth communication between the brain and all parts of the body. There's intelligent input that the brain is receiving from all over the body. And the heart is one of the main sources of input to the, to the brain. So, um, so heart math really is a, a set of simple tools to leverage this system. So that understanding that the heart and brain are talking to each other and that the heart is sending very important information to the brain 24-7, no matter what mood we're in, that was huge. And so part of what we discovered in the early 90s was that the heart beats in different patterns different rhythmic patterns depending upon the, the emotional state we're in. So a simple visual for this would be anytime we're feeling frustrated. Let's, see, let's say you're driving onto the motorway and suddenly somebody cuts you off in, on the lane and you slam on the brakes and you nearly have an accident, but you don't. But you're left with the, the after effects of a racing heart and maybe sweaty palms and, and, and now you're angry for the rest of the day and you keep replaying over and over again. <laughs> in your mind that what just happened mm. and so you're you're the one left with the consequences meanwhile they're they're halfway to scotland <laughs> on holiday you know whoever cuts you off so um part of what we learned was that in those moments of high stress which many people have every every day and even lower level stress it turns out the pattern is similar the pattern that the heart beats in looks like a chaotic drum beat kind of like an earthquake uh, is happening inside your body However, when you st stop that reaction, and let's say there's a gorgeous sunset or you see a, a baby goat <laughs> or you see a child who's just is sleeping, anything that would dramatically change your mood, well, the pattern the heart is beating in suddenly instead of being chaotic and looking like an earthquake becomes this beautiful, smooth sine wave, just a, a beautiful up beating, up uh, accelerating heart and then slowly decelerating heart. So it's a beautiful pattern. And that's all within our control. So this technique that you just mentioned called heart-focused breathing, which is one of the very simplest of all the, the heart math tools, simply takes as the, as the premise that anytime through a day that we're feeling stress, whether something has just happened or we're a little bit anxious about something that's about to happen, say a meeting or a phone call or a presentation or, or whatever, um, the act of simply slowing our breathing down bringing our attention to the area of our heart. And as we bring that attention there, starting to breathe a little bit slower, not super slow, not like taking 30 seconds to breathe in, 30 seconds to breathe out, but just slowing the breath. And, but imagining it could pass in and out through the area of the heart. That simple process has an effect of not, a, not only slowing down and making the rhythm of the heart more smooth, but it also has an effect of helping calm down our entire nervous system, including our brain. So, you know, and I think all of us may have noticed athletes doing this, um, runners at the, at the starting line. You'll see them take a, at least one deep breath before they get, re before they get ready. There, there's an intuitive knowing that the body, in order to operate at its best, taking a deep breath or slowing down the breathing for a little while is a way to bring the body in sync. Lots of athletes know this. Lots of dancers know this. We just, we just do it. And so that knowledge is gradually getting out to the mainstream thanks to science that says 
is if we can slow down the breathing, that helps to regulate what otherwise may have been a fairly chaotic heartbeat, heart rhythm. And as I say, you know, many of us go through many little examples through a day where we feel stressed. You're looking at your watch and you think, oh my God, I'm almost late for that, that phone call with, with Paul <laughs> or you, you're, uh, as, as we just talked about. And, you know, I was dealing with somebody who was late for me. And so that pushed me back on different things. And this is not life and death. This is not World War III. However, the daily stresses can add up. And especially because we don't just have one a day, you know, there can be many. And it can be it's just seeing the name of somebody show up on your alerts on your on your iPhone or show up in as, in your email inbox and you just see their name and you have an, and you have a stress reaction. So HeartMath came along and said, "This is modern day life. This is the reality today. We're dealing with constant, relentless situations that could be stressful to us. And if we don't find a way to switch how we're perceiving them, switch uh, how we're responding to them." and have a way to get our system back in balance more quickly. The stress accumulates and accumulates, sleep gets bad, health issues get worse, we don't exercise as much, we don't eat as healthily as we should, and it's a spiraling downward of our health and our overall well-being. But if we can just start with breathing and bring some balance back into our system, that leads to better choices, and that leads to more resilience and better sleep. You know, there's a whole knock-on effect that, that goes on. So uh, I think part of the beauty of, of HeartMath and how we designed it is we wanted it to reflect people's lifestyle, that many people are meditators these days, but many people say, there's no way I have time for, for 20 minutes first thing in the morning, let alone five. I'm, you realize I have three kids I have to get off to school, and then I have to drive an hour to get to my job. And then, you know, and then I get home and I'm exhausted. You're, 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 you're drinking something and it's not good. <laughs> it's not, yeah. it's not uh, accurate uh, to my life. And so part of the, the, the heart math techniques, like the one you just mentioned, the heart focused breathing, you can do that while driving. You can do that while in a meeting. You can do that while uh, you have 30 seconds prior to making what could be a challenging phone call. So we try to make techniques that fit into our lifestyle that, that we can do while we're um, active, engaged in life, which to me is also very caring because if, if there's something you can do in the middle of a stressful episode as opposed to only after the fact, that's a lot better. If there's, mm -hmm. if there's some way you can adjust yourself in the middle of something potentially stressful, there's a high likelihood you won't react as badly as you would otherwise. You, your system won't go out of balance as much as it would have otherwise. And it won't take as much to restore yourself as it would have otherwise. So heart math is all about in-the-moment stress interventions, uh, ways to rebalance our system using this dynamic heart-brain communication system that we that we studied in depth. Just listening to you speak there, Bruce, it struck me that very simply one of the adages that we, if you don't spill the milk, you haven't got to you haven't got to mop it up. And <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Well <laughs> said. <laughs> prevention is better than cure but I mean you know there's loads of lots of different ways that we could convey that but it is that simplicity Bruce and that's what I love about this stuff because from my own perspective and the messages that I try and share with the world both for myself and from from many many guests from all walks of life is is increasingly becoming simpler and simpler and simpler you know, I don't think personally, I don't think life is a complicated game. I think we allow it to be complicated 
because of all the stuff that becomes busy. You know, got to get the kids to school, got to get, oh, there's a traffic jam, got to get to work and all this kind of build-up, if you like, what I call pebbles in the shoe that causes pain. Mm -hmm. But essentially, you know, to continue that metaphor, Bruce, I think we're we're sort of built to walk through life barefoot, metaphorically speaking, let alone with shoes and pebbles in them. But that's the practicalities that goes with um, with everyday life, isn't it? Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, I think I think people are 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 struggling no matter where they live in the world, no matter what generation they're in. Um, I live now in New York. I lived for many decades in in the Bay Area of California. Um, California has a reputation of being kind of relaxed and laid back, and and it is compared to New York or London, where a massive city and yet there's tons of stress there too mm. <laughs> it doesn't matter that you got a lot of blue sky or you're a lot of creative people or you know the economy is doing pretty well people are still stressed out because everybody's not feeling happy every moment not at all there's there's plenty of financial worry and plenty of health issues and plenty of stress everywhere so i think everyone is going through stuff and uh, no matter where you are no matter what phase of life you're in and so to have tools that can help people um, is such a comforting feeling. I'll never forget a story that happened um, when the the wars in Iraq and Afghanistan were raging, especially. And uh, we were doing a lot of work with uh, the U.S. military to trying to give the soldiers extra tools before they would deploy over to to the war. And there was this technology that HeartMath had developed a device that helped to monitor stress and help like biofeedback to help you reduce stress in the moment. Now, these soldiers were not literally pulling it out on the battlefield, you know, being shot at. And they, let me get my device out to see if I can lower my stress. But they were using this prior to going into the field of battle and thousands of troops were deploying with this technology in advance. And, and not everyone, though, how, and of course. There are many that went going over there that had no extra training, extra benefit. And so those that were coming back, uh, many were coming back with PTSD, coming back with traumatic brain injuries because of all the roadside bombs that were, were happening. And they were coming into the, the veterans, what's called the veterans medical system in, in the States, and, and millions you know, with significant issues. They had survived the war, but the survival was at a serious cost. And so just the issue around post-traumatic stress was, was huge. And I'll never forget one gentleman in particular who was an, a driver a, 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 for the U.S. Army, a truck driver, which is arguably one of the most dangerous jobs, because especially in the Iraq war and Afghanistan, too, the number of, of bombs under the road were happening all the time. And so trucks were getting blown up all the time. This one gentleman came back. He, he survived. He, he was never blown up. Uh, and, he, and he came back, but we had enormous post-traumatic stress aggravated by the fact that his father as as a man about the same age early 30s had been a driver of an army u.s army truck during the vietnam conflict he also survived the father also survived but came back with such severe post-traumatic stress he eventually committed suicide so here's the son coming back from another war having done the exact same job as his father and was very concerned that he would be subject to the same issues his father had had. So he goes to see one of a therapist at the veterans hospital who introduced him to this heart math concept and to this idea of heart focused breathing. 
And they were very smart at the VA. They actually gave him one of these devices and taught him how to use it. So if he could, if he started to feel that anxiety or that panic come on, he could breathe, do that heart focused breathing and just try to breathe slowly and use this device to kind of monitor what's going on. And he would say that once he learned how to do that, he always would carry this device in his pocket. And even if he didn't use it, just knowing he had something in his pocket that could help him whenever he needed it, gave him so much security compared to how he had felt prior to that. Yeah. So you think of somebody like that who, you know, dealing with the family history, let alone what he had seen and, and, and the horrors that he had had to go through. And now he's got something that he is able to do himself to lessen that impact and eventually return to full, full functioning. So, you know, I think there's, that's, that's, that's the, the promise of this kind of work is that those who are suffering, even if they've suffered enormously in terms of their tra uh, trauma for, for whatever reasons, that there is the potential within them with some extra coaching and maybe some technology to help to, to regain that, that foothold and regain that balance that, that they have had and that they know is possible. Mm, absolutely. The substance of science, which you mentioned a couple of times, and, I, and my my heart skips in the most positive way when I hear this word, Bruce, creativity. And that, I think, nicely leads us into uh, the Renaissance human, the more creative artistic side. Give us an insight into, into, um, in, into that, Bruce, and the work that you're doing around that. Sure. Well, as I mentioned earlier, you know, I had this career of, of about five years as a musical theater guy in, in, in Broadway. Um, never played the West End, although I saw a show called Jersey Boys in the West End one time. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I'm from New Jersey, so I'm a Jersey boy. But um, it was a wonderful period of my life. And then, I, as I mentioned earlier, I, I ended that and decided to get into my own growth as a, as a human and studied a variety of spiritual systems and health and many, many things. And, and was then involved in setting up this organization called HeartMath and then served as its CEO for 11 years. Uh, but then I went through a number of, um, of significant health challenges, uh, which luckily all resolved. And I'm now uh, 10 years cancer-free. I'm now nine years staph infection-free. I'm eight years on two bionic hips. So I'm doing very well, and you saw me, and I looked pretty healthy, and um, and I got and I got my moves, I got my moves back. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, from, yeah, from from titanium hips. Um, but in the aftermath of all that, part of what I realized was that I was really craving more creative expression again. Mm. That I was now at the time when that was going on, I was CEO of this wonderful, amazing international organization, and um, uh, called HeartMath, but. I, I wasn't singing, I wasn't dancing, I wasn't doing art or much of anything really creative. And no one told me I couldn't. I was just busy traveling all over the world and, and helping build that company that I just didn't have the time. But uh, I decided I needed to make the time. And so what unfolded starting in 2012 was a whole kind of re re renaissance, as you Brits say, we, we would simply say renaissance in, in the States, uh, of my own creativity. And starting with the singing, moving into dancing, I discovered on titani titanium hips, uh, I actually could dance quite well uh, because I have really strong hips now. Right. I yeah. had to I had to get the the muscles back in shape and the ligaments stretched out again. But once I got that under underway, I was I was good. And so this kind of creative 
surge was happening in me. And, and as they say, once the genie's out of the bottle, you can't put it can't put her back inside. So, you know, once I had tasted more creativity and I started performing again, I was, instead of just doing keynote speeches, I was doing keynote performances where I would talk and share information around heart math, around my own healing journey. But then I would also sing about it and, uh, and bring music into things. And I was bringing art into things more again. And I'd gotten hooked on digital photography thanks to smartphone, thanks to Steve Jobs. At Apple, and um, so a whole thing was happening for me. And back around three years ago, three or four years ago now, I start hearing from people who only knew me from business, only knew me as somebody who taught at Stanford Business School and had impressive clients in the UK and Holland and all over the United States around this heart math stuff. And then they were saying, "You're you're singing again. You're dancing again. Wow, you're like you're, you're like having a renaissance. You're like a renaissance man." And enough people said that to me that I started thinking about it. And, hmm, it's the first time in my life I'm doing it all. Back when I was young, I only was an artist. And then I only was in business. But now I'm singing in New York City. I'm dancing. I'm doing art. I'm consulting. I'm teaching. I'm doing it all. And so I thought, wow, Renaissance man, that's an old-fashioned term. What about Renaissance human? Sounds future-oriented. It sounds like... Anyone could be that, not just special people. And so I kind of thought more and more about this, and I've developed a whole kind of model around what I call the Renaissance Human, and I ended up releasing an album of original songs uh, in 2018 called Renaissance Human. I have a website. I'm working on a collaborative book on this idea of Renaissance Human. And at the core of it is that my, my belief, and I, I, I think it's beyond a belief. I believe it's just a fact. But... When you think about it, all humans, all human beings are designed with the power to create life. Mm. The species needs to continue. So every human being has the power to create life. Now, whether we do or not create another life is not the point, but we all are built with that power. And that, that creative energy is an energy that isn't just about procreation. It's about the creative energy. It's about the urge to contribute to a project, to an idea, to a team, to a company, to a vision. It's the idea. It is. It can express itself artistically as the desire to create a work of art, create a song, create a dance, create a book, a poem, etc. But it's not just about artistic expression. So my belief is that a relatively small number of people have had this creative energy, this creative power, encouraged as children. I was one who was encouraged thanks to my wonderful, wonderful, may they rest in peace parents. Um, but so many people that I've met over the years were not encouraged. In fact, the opposite. In fact, it was, they were told, Paul, wow, um, it, next time you're saying, just make sure no one else has to hear you. <laughs> or, yeah. you know, Paul, be an accountant. You know, this poetry idea, that's not going to pay. So just yeah. stick, to, stick to something that's going to pay your bills. You know, and, or, or then we get into business and, we're in a meeting and we want to suggest an idea, even though even though we're in sales and we're suggesting a marketing idea. And then somebody says, Bruce, you know, s stick to your greatest sales. We got marketing people to handle that kind of stuff. So the urge to create, the urge to contribute has been shot down, shut down by friends, parents, siblings, bosses, etc. And that creates a, a, a restriction inside the being of, of us people that, that have had that happen. And so the creative energy we need to solve a problem in our life, like 
Suddenly we're short of money and how are we going to make rents by the end of the month? Um, suddenly the relationship we thought was going fantastic. We discover that a partner's not happy at all. And we, there's some major challenge and that takes creativity. It doesn't necessarily take a poem. <laughs> it might need a poem. <laughs> it might yeah. need a romantic song or it may just need some good sit down. Let's talk. So my thesis is that all humanity, all human beings have the power to create. And I, I'm on a mission to help people realize we're all Renaissance humans. Renaissance humans are not just the quote, creative ones who can sing or dance or be artistic. No, people, to me, some of the most creative people in the world are those who can solve relationship problems, that can solve tricky business issues. Be, and because they, they, they approach it with the idea that, well, this is a problem. Let's figure it out. Let's be playful like a kid. Let's just, we, we got this. We can figure this out. That's creativity in action. So I'm convinced that when you look at the, the, the enormity of problems that the world is facing, that we're all kind of drowning under like, oh my, you know, us in the U.S., the only kind of thing we can laugh about right now, given how horrific our current political situation is, is at least the U.K. is like having a crazy time. <laughs> <laughs> this Brexit mm. thing, you know, it was like, okay, we're not, we don't feel quite so like the idiots of the, of the universe. I mean, yeah, we are the idiots of the universe, but at least the UK is, is struggling too, you know, so, you know, tongue in cheek. But um, my point being the enormity of the challenges we're facing, pick, whether it's climate or authoritarianism or just getting along as humanity and, and survival uh, is going to require another level of creativity, in my view. It's not we're we're not going to solve it with the same thinking we've had, right? The Einstein, famous Einstein uh, mm. uh, thesis. Yeah. We we need new creativity, and I'm saying we've all got a ton more inside of us, and we haven't learned to access it, and we haven't learned to trust it. And imagine if we were even operating at ten percent more creativity, everyone everyone was. Mm. That would that would. I'm not talking like even 100%. What if we're just 10% more creative, but we're starting to collaborate more with that extra 10% and encouraging each other and encouraging each other's ideas? There's no telling where we would go because we know, you know things that looked like completely bleak and there was no way they possibly could change have. History is full of examples where we thought the end was, was, was in sight and something saved it at the last minute. And yeah. so we're just, we have, unfortunately, we got a, a bunch of those situations <laughs> kind of all stacking up right now. So it needs some serious creativity in my view. And so that's the mission I'm on. That's, that's, what, that's what Renaissance Human is ultimately meant to celebrate is that we all have the power to birth new ways of thinking, birth new ways of acting, birth new ways of collaborating inside ourselves. That's what we're designed to do. We're designed to continue to grow and to continue to evolve and in my view i call it a, we have many renaissances have many births of new facets of ourselves, new skills new talents so that's 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 the mission i'm on wow what came through to me and i seem to be now saying this on every podcast bruce um irrespective of the guests where he or she's from or what background or what experience i seem to be referring back to the very first podcast that was 13, 14 months ago. And listening to your words there, Bruce, perfectly, yet again, reinforced and epitomized the title of that podcast. And it was, Mastering Life is as simple as ABC. 
And for the A is the awareness, because we don't know what we don't know yet. The B is the beliefs that are so influential in our lives. Um, mine was, you are useless, you will never do anything, you're a waste of space from a very early age. Yeah. It took me decades to overcome that. But the C, and here's the real kind of icing on the cake, Bruce, is the creativity mm. of that. Okay, so I'm led to believe that kids like me from an inner city area, council estate, don't go to university. Hmm. Mm. Let's put that to the test. Okay, go to university. Struggle, overcome that one. And all these things, okay, kids like you, Paul, you don't make records. Hmm. Okay, let's... No, no, no. I'm in the process, Bruce, of, of writing some... Well, I've written the lyrics and yeah. recording a record. So there's wow. this whole creativeness now, not from any sort of semblance of ego, but just to say to the world, look, it doesn't really matter what background, what constraints, what limiting beliefs and BS you've been fed from from whatever age or what the circumstances are, it can be overcome by, you know, interesting you mentioned the Einstein, you know, you'll never solve a problem at, by dealing with it at the level it was created. Mm, and so exactly. it's, you know, I, I take up personally as for my contribution, Bruce, and I'm only sort of one of millions and millions and millions of people throughout the world that can, you know, we can all embrace the same approach of, Okay, this is my contribution. Hopefully, just hopefully, it might rub off on somebody. And then one becomes two, becomes four. And so that, you know, that pebble in the shoe that could be quite irksome, all of a sudden has got a different framing and a different meaning because it's not a pebble in a shoe. It's a pebble now that's very positive. We drop it in a pond and the ripple effect is immense. Mm, I like that. So That's a great image. That's a great image. Yeah. So I want to ask you one final by way of, of um, concluding, Bruce. I just want to ask you one big question. But before I do that, I want to park that momentarily and ask you, how can people get in touch with you, contact you, find out more about you? You know, what's your contact details, Bruce? Sure, Paul. Thanks for asking. Well, I have uh, two websites. The easiest one is my name. So brucecryer.com. Cryer is spelled C-R-Y-E-R. -E and uh, my email address, which people can reach out to me directly, is my name, Cryer at gmail.com. So either uh, reach out via email or you can go to my site. And uh, there's, a, there's a contact form on there. You can send a message that way if, if you prefer. Super. Thank you, Bruce. And so the big question, and regular list will, will know exactly what's coming because it's the same format I, I use with guests um, to say, okay, so we're in the elevator, Bruce, the 30-second elevator to go up to the next level. And the stranger gets in the lift when you said, Bruce, before we reach the next level in this elevator, give me one piece of advice out of all your wisdom, all your experiences, all your massive scientific and creative insights, but you've only got one piece of wisdom or advice to give me, Bruce, in 30 seconds, what would that be? Learn to trust and follow your heart. The heart is a source of intelligence, wisdom, and access to intelligence beyond what our mind alone is capable of understanding. 
And once we've tapped into that power, that creative power, unbelievable potentials can unfold for us. And that's what I want for everybody. Superb. And the simplicity, but the power of those words, Bruce, the simplicity and power. Thank you. All that remains now is to say, Bruce, once again, thank you immensely for share, for giving up your time and sharing your insights, your experience, and most of all, your creativity. Sincere gratitude to you, Bruce. Thanks, mate. It was a pleasure to talk with you again. Uh, nice. It's good to be your friend. And all that remains now, listeners, is to sign off by saying, remember, no matter what you do in life, always walk your path with heart. Hearts, helping everyone achieve results towards success.